Amen. If you have your Bible, uh, go to Hebrews chapter 10. If you have your Bible apps on your phone, uh, go there. If you're new with us, new to the Bible, I understand that. But our habit to hear, our practice, is, is that we like to look at things with our own eyes. I would, I would like to teach truth. I'd like to teach the Word of God to you. I would prefer that you um, look at it for yourself as well, all right? Because I'm not always going to be there. <laughs> Meaning, I'm going through a crisis. I need a, a teaching. <laughs> well, get your own Bible and know where the verses are. Amen? I started a, a series a few weeks ago called As You See the Day Approaching. And so let's read from Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Praise God. Isn't that cool how they used the same words as my message title? Don't you think that's great? I mean, what foresight they had <laughs> to write these words all these years ago. And they nailed it. Got it exactly word for word. Okay. We see here uh, the exhortation that we are supposed to up our game as we get close to this day. And as we see it, we're supposed to do things more than we used to. Certain behaviors are supposed to be enhanced, increased. By the way, this is swimming upstream when it comes to the culture of our time. The ways of the world are going one direction. These directives, these instructions are going the other direction. So if anyone is going to do this, you're going to have to do it on purpose. You're not just going to get on a floater, get on your tube, your spiritual tube, and just do nothing, and you're going to go down the the right river <laughs> in the right direction. You're not going to do that. If you're a coaster, if you're in neutral, that kind, no, you're going to actually have to put some effort to do this, uh, towards this. You're going to have to make quality decisions in your life to be this way. If you will, you will. If you won't, you won't. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. And, uh, and we read to you last time, uh, about a guy named Demas. You see, one of the reasons we want to enhance these behaviors in our lives is so that we don't end up like Demas, right? Remember San Demas? <laughs> Saint Demas? <laughs> Demas departed. He left his spot. And he did so because he loved this present world. So he was one of Paul's ministry companions. He was on Paul's ministry team. So he's up there, being used of God, yet he left because he loved this present world. If that can happen to Demas, that could happen to you. Why are you so much better than Demas? It could happen to me. Why am I, am I more spiritual than he was? I don't know that. It would be arrogant for me to assume that. I should take notice and be on guard and say, if Demas could go off the deep end, I can too. So I'm going to be on the lookout. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be identifying behaviors in my own life that could contribute to that ultimate decision and say, I better stop doing this. I better adapt, conform uh, to the Word of God, and I better start swimming upstream a little bit. Yeah, You might be in a family where everyone's kind of complacent spiritually. 
lackadaisical towards God, don't have much of a prayer life, don't really serve God, you know, with any kind of intensity or fervency, you might be surrounded by those who are not doing it. I'm telling you, I mean, I wish you weren't, but you, they might need you to be the leader. They might need you to, to take the lead when people are deciding on Sunday morning, huh, should we go to church? Should we, should we stay home? Well, you be the leader and say, well, this is what I'm doing. You guys do whatever you want, but this is what I'm, and sometimes this even happens with teenagers. I've seen this happen where parents get saved because their teenagers take the lead. Amen. And in fact, we have folks in our church, some even on our staff, where the parents got saved because uh, the teenager got saved. I believe Pastor Mickey's family was that way, right? His mom and so forth got saved because he did when young. So where, no matter where you are, what age, condition, be the one to swim in the right direction. Yeah? Say, I'm just going to be this way just because it's the right thing to do. I see that, and I'm going to be smart and independent of what anyone else thinks about it. Uh, sometimes the majority is not right. Ask Noah. You know? Sometimes you got to go against, and sometimes, you know, people are mocking and making fun even of, of certain behaviors, but you do the right thing no matter what everyone else says. Praise God. And so we're instructed to examine ourselves, to continue in the faith, and that's what we're doing. If you would now go to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, okay, left turn if you're there in Hebrews and you're unfamiliar with the location of Timothy where he lives. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, notice with me in verse 1, it reads, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay, so we've looked at that before. I wanted to revisit it again today. Uh, notice the language, some will depart from the faith, okay? In other words, maybe we could say it like this. Some will, they'll depart the faith, they'll lose their faith, they'll no longer be where they used to be with God. Uh, I want you to notice, though, that the way the things of God work, the way spiritual gifts work, uh, the way a relationship with God works, the devil cannot take it away from anybody, he cannot steal your relationship. He cannot take your place. He cannot boot you out of the family, right? He cannot take it away from you by force. Say, oh, well, demons are powerful, and they can just do stuff. No, not like this. They cannot just take. You remember, the, the enemy, Satan, Jesus called him a, a thief, and he, and he said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, no, he can't just do that to anyone at any time he wants to. Peter wrote and said he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Seeking, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour, but he can't, find, he can't do it to everybody. He cannot just devour at will. He's looking for opportunities, right? And so we know that's how it works. It's like uh, if you were to uh, give me this phone, um, that's too big. You should, you should upgrade to a smaller one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I have this phone, let's say this phone is my salvation or a spiritual gift, uh, 
the, the enemy can't just come and take it out of my hand. All right. He might stir up trouble around me. He might try to poke me in the side. You know, he cannot make, he cannot take this from me. The only thing he can work, and he will do this night and day, he'll try to get me to open up my hand and give it up. All right. And that's how he works towards us. Why would some people depart from the faith? Not because the faith was taken from them, but they were tricked. They were duped, seduced, deceived into giving up what they have from God, right? And so your, your ability to hold on to whatever God gives you is present. It's within your power to do that. So he'll try to mess with your mind and try to convince you giving this up is a smart move. It's in your best interest if you give this up, all right? Say, well, that doesn't really work, does it? It does work sometimes. That's the whole reason this is in here, and it's the reason we talk about it. Some people are convinced to give up amazing, precious gifts from God. They cannot be stolen but you can be talked out of them. And so we want to keep that from happening the way he does it. He says it right here, giving heed to deceiving spirits. So what, what, how does that work in practice? Questions. The enemy wants to get us to question God, question what happens in our lives. Here's one of the main ways. It's why I teach it seems like frequently, to me it seems frequent, but sometimes I look back at my notes and it was eight years ago. <laughs> but I'll do various series and I will try to convince people to teach them that God didn't take their child, that God didn't uh, destroy their marriage, that God didn't give their loved one cancer, that God didn't do, and, and why? Because these things happen in life and the devil says, he did it, he did it. Why? It's to flip it in our minds to make people think God is against them, that he's their problem, not their solution, that he's, their, he's doing harm instead of helping them. And if you believe that God is the one causing you all kinds of grief and trouble and pain, I understand. You could be tempted to open up your hand and say, this is not worth it. I'm not going to do this. I don't believe this anymore. The devil will lie to people. He does it day and night to try to convince them to give up the things that, uh, that they possess. Amen. And so it's crazy to think that leaving God would be in your own best interest, but some people actually do that, all right? Why would, why would I ever depart from the Lord? Well, it's not logical to me right now, but I would if I was deceived. If I got to the place where I thought, you know, this makes sense. My life would be better off if I would do this. And so he's working to that end. Sometimes you can see it happening in your, hopefully not, but could happen in your own life. We've seen this happen. People get away from God, and he, this, would, this would be a, a, a clue. When your friends, your spiritual friends, those who are walking with the Lord, when they start calling you, texting you, messaging you, when spiritual leaders in the church reach out to you and start checking up on you, and you stop returning their calls, you ignore their texts, that kind of stuff, what's happening? <laughs> you are believing a lie because you're not going to hear anyone who wants to exhort you to live right. You want to cut them off. 
When you start cutting off people who are exhorting you to do right, to live right, and to walk with God, you have been deceived. You are believing something that's wrong. No, don't get too quiet on me right now. You, are, you all are here. Everything's good, right? I'm telling you, this is how a lot of this works. They, these people departed from the faith because they gave heed to seducing spirits. So these deceiving, seducing spirits, they come to everybody through different methods. Some people pay attention to them. They start entertaining the thoughts. They start listening to doctrines of demons, okay? Now, doctrines of demons, by the way, they do come through people. They come through hypocrites. They come through those who are trying to draw attention to themselves, and they, they deceive. Look, look at the next verse, verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. So you can see the doctrines of demons are coming through people that are speaking. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So these people, they say the wrong thing. They're lying and it doesn't bug them. How many know lying should bug you? It it should most of all bug you if it's coming out your own mouth. (laughs) I mean, a lot of times, yeah, I hate people who lie. Let's start off with with you. Do not ever say anything that's not true to your knowledge. Ever. Don't even consider it for a moment. What happens is you are, if you are able to do that, you know, when someone says, you're a really good liar, that's not a compliment. (laughs) You're able to lie with a straight face. Just look someone right in the eye and tell them something that's not true. What happened is your conscience got seared. Okay, and a seared conscience is a real danger to all of us. Here, here's how it works. When your conscience is normal, when it's functioning the way it's intended to, to function, we are not allowed internally to go down the wrong path. We cannot do certain behaviors, activities, because our conscience will smite us. Our conscience will go like a sharp point. Boop. But when someone's conscience is not functioning normally, Meaning it got seared, okay? Think of calluses on your hands. Think of maybe an old wound and you have a scar and you can poke at it and not even feel it, right? When, you're, when your conscience is not functioning nor, like normal skin, you can do things and not even feel it. Specifically, you can do wrong things and get away with it. I'm not talking about get away with it, like break the law. I'm talking about get away with it in here. You still sleep well. I told a lie and I'm going to go to sleep. You can still, you know what I'm talking about? You can still conduct, you don't want to be that, that kind of person. I don't want to be the kind of person who can do wrong things and just smile all the way through it. My conscience is messed up. And if I, my conscience is messed up, I am in extreme danger of walking away from God. Because I'll walk away from it and he'll be saying, hey, hey, don't do that. Come back. I love you. He'll send other people. They'll send me texts. They'll call me and I'll blow it all off. And feel fine about it. Actually probably think I'm smarter than everybody else. I want my conscience to be continually working. You do as well. Amen. And so uh, there are these spirits. There's these deceiving spirits. There's the spirit of God. There are people with consciences that are, that are seared and they continue, they can do the wrong thing. Uh, this is kind of, you know, when it comes to voting season, And you hear people say, vote your conscience. 
I don't tell people that because I know some people's conscience is all messed up. Seriously, don't vote your conscience. I mean, I might tell some people if I know them, if you're in the word and walking with God and you, you love the truth, I might say your conscience will probably do you well. But I know some people, your conscience is totally messed up. <laughs> right? Because you disobey God on every, at every turn. You, don't, you meditate on the, on the fake news instead of the word of God. And doing that, you take in the wrong messages over and over again, you're going to make wrong decisions all day long. Hallelujah. Not everything you hear just because you hear it a lot of times makes it true. I think we should judge everything and ask questions. I actually, I actually like it when I'm here listening to teachers or preachers of the word and they question something that I've said or heard or adopted as a belief all my life. And I can make a decision and I say, hey, wait a minute, hold on. I think that way. I say that with my own mouth. Is that not correct? And I like to analyze. I hope you do too. He goes on to say here in verse 3, he gives a couple examples of doctrines of demons. There are more doctrines of demons than these. But he said in verse 3, forbidding to marry. So that's one doctrine of demons. There are that, that, that people will forbid others to marry. Have you ever heard of, heard of that happening? Are there any religious groups that forbid their ministers to marry? That's a, that's a demonic doctrine, okay? I like to say, well, how's that working out for you guys? You know, not too well. He goes on to say, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So two examples. One is forbidding to marry, and two is, is commanding people to abstain from, from foods. So just watch out for those and others, but at least that, if you, you know, if, if people start telling you, you can't eat that, you can't eat that, you can't eat that, say, doctrine of demons. <laughs> Rise, Peter, kill and eat. <laughs> what Jesus said. Now, now let, me, let me explain what, the, what the, this doesn't say. This doesn't say it's wrong for someone to be single. That's not what it says. You can be single and happy and, and like it, and, and that's not sin whatsoever. He, the, the, the key word there was they forbid other people to marry. When they forbid them to marry, that, that, that becomes a problem. And it's not that he said if you don't eat certain foods, uh, that that's sinful. No, it's when you command other people to stop eating them. Yeah, it's the forbidding, it's the commanding, it's adding these regulations and these laws and requirements of other people. You may avoid certain foods for preference, for diet, for other things. That's not sinful for you. Just don't guilt trip everybody else for, for eating those foods that you say, oh, I wouldn't eat that, that's poison. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Moving along. Uh, Jesus gave us several words about the last days and about the condition of events that would happen before his coming. And some of them, again, are natural. They're the, I'm not getting into that at this time. You know, the earthquakes, the, the pestilence, the, the plagues, the China plague, all that kind of stuff. We're not, not getting into that, okay? But one of the things he said was this. It's Matthew 24, 4 and 5. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, 
take heed that no one deceives you. What does that mean? They're going to try to deceive. There are people coming to deceive. He said, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Okay. So I know this, that we can all avoid being deceived or Jesus would not have bothered telling them to take heed. He would have just said, you're going to be deceived. There's nothing you can do about it. No, he said, take heed because this is going to happen and you be on guard so it doesn't happen to you. The more one knows the truth, the less likely they are to be deceived. Okay, I don't avoid deception by studying what's false. I don't want to be an expert in every lie that exists. What I want to do is be an expert in truth. Yeah, I want to study the truth so that if anything pops up that contradicts it, bing, I can, I can easily identify it, say, no, that's not right. That contradicts this. In, in my own life, when, when I was preparing for ministry, I remember uh, being in Bible college and, you know, I was not a preacher yet. I was not teaching the word, but I know that teaching the, teachers of the word are held to a stricter judgment according to James, and it was kind of heavy on me in the sense, I'm called to do this. I'm called to teach, to preach. Yikes, I not only had my own personal, you know, concerns about am I able to do that, but I also had this. I thought, what if I teach someone the wrong thing? What if I say something that's not true? And it kind of weighed on me a little bit because I was... I thought, I don't know enough of this. I could get it wrong. And that weightiness, I think, was a positive. But what happened with me is over time, studying, studying, staying in the Word, walking with God, having a prayer life, I got to a place, it wasn't overnight or in an instant, but I looked back and thought, I'm not concerned about that anymore. I'm not afraid. I have enough truth in me. I know I am, I am not going to mislead people. That doesn't mean I, 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 had, I knew all or had perfect doctrine. You understand, I'm not claiming perfection in all knowledge, but I got to a point where I know enough of the truth that when something ugly and something untrue pops up, I'm going to be able to identify that. Yep. And, and see, this is protection from deception. That's why I encourage. You got saved. Some of you got saved recently. I want to, you're vulnerable to deception the less you know. So giddy up. We're here to reach the lost and teach the found to do all that Jesus has commanded us to do. And so we get in the word, we get in the word, we get in the word, we come to services, we read the Bible, we get in small groups, we, we, we do all these things. Why? I'm protecting myself from deception because I am gonna recognize when counterfeits pop up. Yeah, I'm gonna be able to look at false Christ, those claiming to be something that they're really not and say, I'm not following that. Why? That disagrees with the Christ. That disagrees with what Jesus said. You know, the word Christ uh, means anointed one. When we say Jesus Christ, it's not Jesus. And, you know, he came from Joseph and Mary Christ. <laughs> they were the Christ brothers. No, uh, the Christ was his calling, obviously. It means the anointed one. We're saying Jesus, the anointed one. So it speaks about power. It speaks about anointing on him. Okay, think about, think about that statement, that prophecy in this regard. In these latter times, uh, 
false Christs will arise. People claiming some power, some special power from God, some special anointing and gift from God. I think that's another way that this manifests is individuals are deceived by people claiming to be some great thing from God and they're trying to draw others after themselves. They're trying to sometimes uh, manipulate and even, and even get money out of people. All right, this happens sometimes in, in various circles where uh, someone will say, I have this great anointing from God and if you will sow $1,000 into this anointing right now, then that anointing will work in your life and you'll get your healing. Mm. Run from that. It's real tempting, especially if you have a serious disease. Or if you will follow my ministry and, and give towards this, then your wayward children will come home. Well, that's so manipulative. It's like every parent wants their kids to come back if they're out, if they're gone. Every parent wants their kids to walk with the Lord and think, oh, so this is how I activate this special anointing in my life. And people end up drawing others after themselves and enriching themselves on deception. And it's all about claiming some great power. Let's just be on guard so we're not tricked. It's the way the enemy works. In verse 11 of this chapter, Jesus went on to say, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. False prophets will rise up and deceive many. You don't have, you don't have false prophets unless there are real prophets, but we have to be discerning, don't we? We have to recognize as long as we're here, there will be the real and there will be the fake the true and the false, and they'll deceive many. What's the deal with this word deceive being used so much? Deception, delusion, seduction. This is how the enemy works. In fact, in the New Testament, uh, not just the New Testament, just the letters to the churches, the phrase do not be deceived is used four different times. Just that exact phrase, four different times. Do not be deceived. Sometimes people, they say, I don't understand why God let this happen. Listen to his verbiage. Watch out for deception. Things negative happen to us, not because God commanded it, not because he allowed it. In fact, he gave us a word to tell us not to be tricked by it. Things will happen in your life and you will be tempted to interpret the events and circumstances of your life as being other than what they truly are. And it's usually when something negative happens that we start trying to figure it out and trying to understand the root, the source, the cause. Why did this happen? And the temptation again goes back to blaming God for doing it, for allowing it. The Lord himself said again and again and again, watch out for deception. Do not be deceived. I think just, the, just recognizing the potential that this exists gets us on the right path. If I think I could never, I would never be deceived. I'm too smart. <laughs> yeah, pride is in the way already. But this is how the enemy works. All the way back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, we read about Eve. In verse 13, 
And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now she was correct in saying that. Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was deceived. But is being deceived, does that mean we're off the hook? Lord, it's not like I knew. He tricked me. I know, but you still did the wrong thing, even if you were tricked. And still then, the repercussions of being tricked are present. Satan is a liar. Jesus called him the father of lies. It was, has been his strategy from the beginning. And again, one of the reasons is he cannot take from us by force. He cannot make us do what he wants us to do, but he can lie to us all day long. And then it becomes our responsibility to recognize that's a lie. That contradicts the book. That contradicts the Lord Jesus. And if I can recognize that, I'm protecting myself from deception. If I'm protecting myself from deception, doctrines of demons, I am not going to depart from the faith. That's the ultimate goal, is to get us to depart. Even Moses wrote, uh, Deuteronomy eleven sixteen, take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Again, most of us would say, I'm not going to serve another god. I am not going to bow down to some false god. Well, what's the prerequisite to ensure that doesn't happen? It's called, take heed to yourselves, lest your own heart be deceived. If I don't take heed to myself, the potential exists for my own heart to be deceived. Why does deception come? Can I just lay the, the, the foundation of this? Uh, the enemy wants to steal your health, steal your money, steal your joy, steal your relationships. He wants to move you out of God's will for your life. He ultimately wants you to reject the Lord and say, I don't even believe in him anymore. That's happening in our day. You've, you, you, if you read that there are articles in recent months about popular Christian singers and, and authors that are saying, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. I don't even know, I, I don't even call myself a Christian anymore. They used to be leaders, yet they were lied to. They, they, they gave heed to that lie. They pondered it. They thought about it. They meditated on it. They stopped reading the word. They stopped prayer. I guarantee you that this happened. And eventually they bought into the lie. That happens. Okay, but if we take heed to ourselves, we'll not fall prey to serving other gods. But again, the way this works, why lie? Because if I believe a lie, I get put into bondage. Jesus said, some of you know this, John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I know the truth, I get freedom. I don't know the truth or I believe a lie, it leads to bondage, okay? So if I'm bound up in any area of my life, I'm talking about it, it with poverty, with lack, I'm talking about with sickness and disease, I'm talking about with all kinds of... Uh, depression and darkness and addiction, if I'm bound up in any way in my life, I'm believing something that's wrong. I have latched on to a lie. I have embraced something that's not true. That's worthy of meditation for the rest of the afternoon. Amen. Like the healing testimony we heard earlier, the person was dedicated, committed to hearing from God. 
Lord, I'm going to hear from you. I'm going to do, I'm going to know what's right so I can get what, what you promised me. And they were so committed to that that they did what was necessary to walk in it. So there are real consequences to being deceived. We're not off the hook just because we didn't know. Jesus said, they're coming, watch out, take heed. The apostles wrote, do not be deceived. And so we are responsible to keep ourselves from that deception, okay? Now real quick in closing, let me, let me just say, say these things. How, how would I know if I'm being deceived? And you know, I'm not gonna say that right now, I'm just gonna go down this other path. <laughs> uh, some of the indicators this is kind of, it's part of it, what I was going to say, but some of the indicators that I want to highlight to you are, are the, the fruit of the Spirit. You can read about it in Galatians chapter 5, works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. If, if what I believe, which moves me to action, that's a real belief when it moves you to actually do something, if what I believe ends up with me being angry, ends up with me being frustrated, ends up with me being uh, resentful or even sinful or walking away from God, that's a real indication that I'm believing something wrong. But when I believe something right from the Lord, it should be accompanied by great joy and peace. If, I'm, if my belief is, well, I believe, I just believe, you know how people declare their beliefs, well, I just believe, and they're saying it with angst and frustration and they're all knotted up and they're argumentative and there's no peace about their life. That should be an indicator right there. Something's off with this belief you have. If I'm making decisions and the more I do, the further I go, the more I'm all knotted up inside. There's no peace. There's no joy. Then we're going away from the Spirit of God, not towards the Spirit of God. Amen. Sinfulness gives us temporary pleasure. It does not give us long-term pleasure. It'll smile at you in the face and then smack you along the side of the head in a minute. A long enough for you to say, yes, this is wonderful. Bam! Here comes real life. You were tricked. I think we've all been there, right? We've all done wrong things. But the leading of the Spirit of God, truth is what makes us free today and tomorrow. It's long-term successful, and it comes, with a, it comes with peace and joy. Joy is our strength to carry on. Peace is our guide on the inside. I tell you, if you don't have those things, slow down. Slow down. Amen. Everybody okay today? Yes. The things of God will lead us in the way that we're supposed to go. Check those internal uh, gauges and see, am I doing the right thing here? Or am I possibly walking away from God while I do this? Amen? Oh, God is good.